Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Good morning, and we are live on this Saturday, the 6th of January. Hi, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, director of Priests for Life. We are delving into the Word with enthusiasm. The Scriptures, the Word of Life with zeal. We want to understand the Scriptures better. We want to live them more faithfully. We want to proclaim them more effectively. You're in the right place. You're in the right place, especially if you're devoted to the pro-life movement and if you realize that there is no moral problem greater than abortion, no moral urgency greater than ending abortion, no group of victims more vulnerable, no greater number of victims of any act of violence than the unborn children. So you're in the right place if you want to let the understanding of the scriptures also strengthen your pro-life commitment. So greetings. I can see your comments. I can see the numbers of people watching. And let's continue to uh, grow our audience each day. Go ahead and invite others to come on in and we'll, we'll delve into the word together. We'll also pray for each other as we always do. And of course, if you want to leave your prayer intentions uh, on the uh, comments, you can do that. And uh, it's one way of all of us uh, serving one another and lifting each other up in this time. We're still in, the, still in the Christmas season. You see the Christmas tree here behind me. Our office is still uh, flooded with Christmas decorations. It's really wonderful because it technically still is the Christmas season. And uh, until Monday, through Monday, Monday is the Feast of the Lord's Baptism. And we'll be, of course, uh, commenting on that feast on Monday. Tomorrow's the Epiphany. We'll be live again and talking about that. It's all part of the Christmas season. So let's continue to savor these special days and let them give us the the renewed energy we need to go into the new year. So let's put ourselves in the presence of the Lord and then into these readings. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Lord God, and renew our awareness of your presence. You have... Come to us in the Word made flesh. Jesus born at Christmas. Jesus who then, with you, O Father, sent us the Holy Spirit, another form of your presence. Jesus who gave us the Holy Eucharist, yet another and the primary form, the most substantial form of his presence. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in the Word which we now enter into. Bless us and let it give us life. Let it purify us of sin. We repent of all our sins, even those that we've, we've forgotten about. Lord, we, we repent of all our sins because our will can reach where the mind cannot. We repent of anything that we have done to offend you or anything we fail to do, which we should have done to serve you. Give us renewal and give us life. Through Christ Jesus our Lord we pray. Amen. All right. A reading from the first letter of St. John. Beloved, who indeed is the victor over the world, but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the one who came through water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by water alone, but by water and blood. The Spirit is the one who testifies, and the Spirit is truth. 
So there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are of one accord. If we accept human testimony, the testimony of God is surely greater. Now, the testimony of God is this, that He has testified on behalf of His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has this testimony within himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar. By not believing the testimony God has given about His Son. And this is the testimony. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever possesses the Son has life. Whoever does not possess the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life, you who believe in the name of the Son of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we have reflected, these readings in the days after Christmas come to us from the first letter of St. John. And St. John is reaffirming the reality of Christmas. The word became flesh. He's affirming the reality that Christmas is God in human language. That Christmas means we look at the actions and the words of someone who was indeed a human being. He had a human body, a human soul. He spoke human language. But that when we see every action of Jesus Christ, and this is the only member of the human family that we can say this about, when we see the actions of Jesus Christ, we are seeing the actions of Almighty God. When we hear every word of Jesus Christ we hear the words of Almighty God. That's why, you know, in, in many versions of the Bible, it would be nice if more of them did it, you know how the words of Jesus are in red font, unlike any other uh, verses of the whole Scripture, even though the whole Scripture is the Word of God. We put the words of Jesus Himself in red font because there's something special here, that here we have an instance of somebody speaking in human language, and there's no chance of a contradiction here. There's no chance of, oh, well, I'm really not sure if that message was from God. That kind of uncertainty, which has to be in place with every other human being, including the Pope, that measure of uncertainty. It's like, okay, well, I trust that this person is teaching me the faith, but I always leave that little leeway of, well, maybe he's making a mistake. Not so with Jesus. He's God in the flesh the Almighty and Eternal God in a particular human nature. So this is the marvel of Christmas. It's the mystery of the Incarnation. And John is reinforcing it. He says, have no doubt. You have touched God. Those who lived, of course, at the time of Jesus and actually touched His physical human body in the flesh, we who touch His body in the Eucharist, you have touched God. You see Jesus. You read His words. You see His actions. This is God revealing Himself. And this, what this reading especially is about is about who gives testimony. In other words, who's telling us the teachings of God in Jesus Christ? Now, the most powerful thing here is John says, God, the Father, has testified on His own Son's behalf. And what is he thinking of there? Well, when did the Father testify? On a number of occasions. But you remember, of course, at the baptism of Jesus 
Jesus comes up out of the water. The Father's voice is heard. This is my beloved Son. When else does that happen? The Mount of Transfiguration. Those were uh, privileged uh, apostles who saw that. Peter, James, and John. Again, the Father spoke. And when he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, there was a, a voice of thunder. You have here also... John talking about three other witnesses. And this says something important for the Christians of that time who were facing various heresies, but likewise important for us. He says, look, Jesus came and three witnesses testify, water, blood, and the Spirit. Now let's take the Spirit first. God the Father testifies to His Son, so the first person of the Trinity testifies to the second. In fact, it's the Father who reveals the Son to us. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him, Jesus said. No one knows the Son except the Father, Jesus said. And the Father then leads us to the Son. But then the Holy Spirit likewise leads us to the Son. Jesus said, I'm sending you the Spirit from the Father. He will remind you of all that I told you. So one of the errors that this guards us against is the error of those who will say, oh, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, and then by saying that, they're justifying departing from church teaching. Some may say this who are even religious leaders having meetings, Others may say it just as individuals who claim that the Lord through the Spirit is telling them something. But if it contradicts the word spoken by Jesus Christ, if it contradicts his teaching, it's not the Spirit. That's the point here. It guards us. You know, when this synod was going on that I didn't really talk about too much because I told people just don't pay attention to it. People were saying, oh yeah, we're gathering to listen to the Spirit, to listen to the Spirit, to listen to the Spirit. The Spirit has already spoken pretty loud and clear. In Jesus Christ, in His teaching, in His commandments, in His gospel, in His church, the teaching is there. And it's not on the part of some elite group of people that, oh, we're going to huddle together now, we're going to listen to the Spirit, and, and we'll tell you, you folks afterwards, we'll, we'll, we'll convey to you what the Spirit told us. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way, brothers and sisters. The Spirit gives witness to Jesus. The Spirit leads us to Jesus. The Spirit reminds us of all that Jesus told us, and it says, the three are of one accord. There is no such thing as a message of the Holy Spirit that contradicts the 2,000-year-old message of Jesus Christ. Nothing. Letter to the Hebrews. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is no revelation of the Holy Spirit that's going to contradict what Jesus Christ Almighty says. Okay, that's witness number one. The water and the blood. What is he talking about here? There were those who thought that it was just a little bit too much to believe that God was revealed in every word and action of Jesus. So to wiggle out of that, 
And to provide an opening for, again, this notion that, oh, well, maybe I can get beyond, somehow get beyond the demanding teachings of Jesus and believe that the Spirit revealed something different to me later on. They said, well, the Spirit descended on Jesus at his baptism in the, in the water in the, of the Jordan, so that's when he became divine. And then, you know, he breathed forth his Spirit on the cross. Father, into your hands I commend my Spirit. And that's when the Spirit left him. Heresy, not the Christian teaching, not the biblical teaching, not the truth, not the word of the Lord. Here John is saying, no, no, it's not just in the water that we have the testimony. Again, it was at that moment, yes, that the Father's voice was heard. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, you can see how maybe some could come to this erroneous idea. Oh, well, that's when the Spirit descended. The Father said, this is my Son. Before that, He wasn't the Son of God. Oh, yes, He was. But the, 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 the water testifies. Okay, the water does testify. But then John says, so does the blood. See, because those who say, well, the Spirit came on Him at His baptism and then left Him on the cross will say that because they don't want to think that God died on the cross, that God suffered in the flesh, that the side of God was pierced and the blood and water flowed out. No, it's blood that also testifies. It's the blood of God that was shed. So yes, every word of Jesus is the word of God. Every action of Jesus is the action of God. And every suffering of Jesus is the suffering of God for us and our salvation. And the three are of one accord. Don't let anybody bring you some kind of partial or modified gospel. It's got to be the whole thing. Some are really fond of only preaching those aspects of the gospel that are politically correct. It's got to be the whole thing. All are of one accord. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. Everything Jesus did in the flesh, everything He suffered, everything He said after He rose from the dead, everything He says through the Holy Spirit now, all are of one accord. They never contradict each other. Once you see a contradiction, that's not of God. That's not of the Spirit. It's just not. It's just not. And uh, this is where Christmas comes to the rescue that revolutionary idea that somehow the unsearchable, infinite, inscrutable, mysterious ways, will, and knowledge of God become accessible to us through a little baby who then became a preacher and whose words we have, at least many of them, many more, St. John tells us, were spoken but not written down. They would fill the whole world if they were to be written down. But we'll be with him forever in heaven to hear all the rest of the story. Right now, he has given us, here's the crucial thing to remember, he has given us everything that we need to be saved. He has given us all the words that we need to know. Your curiosity might lead us to say, what other words did Jesus say that are not written in the Bible? And it's not entirely a bad form of curiosity. We love Jesus. That's why we want to know. 
We would love to know what his, his other words were. But we'll have all plenty of time in heaven to find out. Right now, he has given us all the words, all the doctrines, all the truths that we need to know in order to be saved. What's missing is not additional words of Jesus, additional chapters of the Bible or of the Catechism. You know what's missing? The courage to live out the teachings we already have. That's why, again, when you see people trying, and we see it happening in the church today, and we don't need to, we don't need to get disturbed and distracted by it. It's wrong. We're concerned that some are trying to change the church's teaching. But you know what? It's their problem. Don't let it be yours. Don't let it be yours. They're trying to wiggle out of it because they don't have the courage to live the teachings themselves. And they don't have the courage to call other people to live the teachings because, oh, maybe those people will get mad at us. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. That's how some of these spineless church leaders act these days. They actually have... I've brought them on here on TV before. I'll bring them again. Letters from bishops to their priests saying, don't say anything that will get the people angry. This is literally how many of these bishops in the United States are thinking right now. Don't say anything to the people that's going to get them angry. What are you guys from? From another planet or something? We're here on planet Earth where Jesus Christ taught and was crucified. You guys forget that? You forget about that? I think they did. I think they, for, they forgot, about the, forgot about the crucifixion. You imagine sitting down with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, you're going to go out there and preach now. To, you're going to say your sermon on the mount. You're going to go preach the parables and everything. Listen, 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 listen. Don't say anything that's going to get anybody mad. Just, just, just. Picture the conversation. You're there with Jesus Christ. Don't, don't, don't say anything that's going to get anybody mad. Lord, don't be divisive now. Don't be divisive. Don't be, don't, don't be divisive. Please, Lord Jesus, take my advice. Don't be divisive. That's how some bishops talk today. And they don't just, they're not saying this in secret. They're saying this publicly. In letters, official letters. That go on their websites, that go out to their priests, and people ask me, how come more priests don't speak about abortion? You want to ask me that question? I'll tell you the answer. It's because they're being told not to. I've been dealing with this question for 30 years, 31 coming up soon as, as, as a director of Priests for Life. I finally come to the answer. They're not speaking about it. Not because they themselves don't believe it. Not even because they themselves are cowards. They're being told to be cowards. They're being taught how to be cowards. They're being, they're being threatened if they don't keep quiet. Things are upside down. We're supposed to be encouraging one another to more courage and more boldness and more speaking out, not less. What has happened now is that it's completely in reverse, that many church leaders, and this is across denominations, are saying to those under their authority, you know, hush, 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 hush. We don't want to upset the left. We don't want to upset those Democrats. We don't want to upset 
those who disagree with us, well, you know what? Yes, we do. They deserve every bit of upsetment that they get when we proclaim the truth. They deserve every last bit of it. Because the upsetment is coming from the fact that, as Scripture tells us, the light came into the world, that's Christmas, and some preferred darkness to light. You know, if you prefer darkness to light, that's, that's your fault. Don't tell me I have to be quiet just because you prefer darkness to light. Three testify. The water. Jesus was baptized and began his public ministry of preaching and healing and teaching. The blood. He truly suffered. He truly died. And that truly transforms our suffering and death. And the Spirit. That Spirit will not lead us away from the truth. That Spirit doesn't lead us to confusion. Confusion is not of God. The Spirit leads us not to question marks. The Spirit of God leads us to exclamation points. Don't listen to those who after they preach, you have all sorts of confused question marks in your mind. Throw them away. The Holy Spirit of God gives us exclamation points and exclamation points only. Confirming the truth that we find in the water and the blood. Confirming the truth that we find in this word, in the Gospels. Confirming the truth that has been handed on clearly for 2,000 years and in which we stand firm forever. That's, isn't this what we celebrate at Christmas? Why should we say joy to the world, the Lord is come, if He didn't bring something that we can rejoice in and hang on to and understand and, 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 and feast on today? That's the joy of Christmas, that what he brought then, we still have today. We still have it. It's exclamation points, brothers and sisters, many of them. After every truth of our faith, exclamation points. Not question marks. Certainty. Not confusion. And you know what certainty leads to? Confidence and courage. You wonder why many people don't preach with confidence and they don't preach with courage? Because they're not certain of what they preach. And one more thing. If you're certain, born of that is confidence and courage. And you know what else what is born then from that? Martyrdom. Martyrdom. Not necessarily the cutting off of your head, but all kinds of rejection, all kinds of suffering, all kinds of isolation and canceling, cancel culture. Dismissal from the priesthood. And other garbage like that. It's the confidence and the courage based on the certainty of the word. Based on the testimony of the water, the blood, and the spirit, and the Father that lead us in the right direction. It doesn't matter what other people do. It doesn't matter what other people do. Your responsibility, my responsibility, be faithful to what God has given to you to understand, to know, to be certain of. Speak it with courage, speak it with confidence, and if necessary, bear the sacrifices 
the martyrdom that will come, especially in the pro-life arena. You stand up for the unborn, as I've always said, you're going to be treated like them. Stand up for the unborn. You'll be treated just like them. People will pretend you don't exist, cast you off to the side, make you into a non-entity, literally into a non-entity. Well, that's not going to work because you and I together going into this new year are going to be more loud, more vocal, more effective than ever before. So let's turn again to the Lord in deep prayer. Father, let us listen to your voice. Let us listen to the Spirit. And let us know, O God, before we even come into your presence, that going back out from our time of prayer, or going back out from our time of studying your word, or going to Mass, we will go back out even more certain of our faith than when we went in, even more confident in the truth than when we went in, even more courageous to proclaim it than when we went in, even more ready to suffer rejection for proclaiming it than when we started. Thank you, Lord. And in this confidence, we pray for one another because we know that you are more concerned about us and our needs than we are. And so we ask you to increase our concern for one another. We are truly members one of another in the one body. We are branches on the vine. We are living stones in the temple. We are one. And so bless us, Lord, as we intercede for one another. Give to all those listening now all the graces of which they stand in need. Every single one, every single grace. Meet every need. Lord God, we are, we are confident because we know that you love us Show forth that love in more and more convincing ways as we rejoice in answered prayers. And Lord God, if there are some prayers of ours that have not been answered, give us the wisdom to see what you are saying to us. and Give us the patience to be conformed to your will, even if it is not the direction we prefer to go. We sum up now, Lord, all our praise, all our worship, all our intercessions in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Hey, friends, have a great weekend. And don't take any nonsense from anybody. Don't take any garbage. Go and live and proclaim the truth. We'll be with you live tomorrow, Feast of the Epiphany. What a beautiful feast. We're going to have a lot to say. Join us. Get others to join us. God bless you. And special message from Alveda King once I get over to the controls, uh, control panel. God bless, and we'll talk to you soon. Hello. 
I'm Dr. Alveda King, board member of Priest for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that, and today I want to invite you to support our work at Priest for Life. Why ours rather than other groups? Because we have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion, and we activate the churches where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves. We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site, ProLifeGift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor, or you can call us at 321-500-1000. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.